0: Welcome to Youthology live. Thank you for joining us this week on the podcast and on all of our, uh, f- our formats you know where to find us if you go to youthology.com you can uh, that's our website you can go to our YouTube from there you can link to our iTunes uh, you can read the manuscript uh, live on the blog it's right there too and uh, all those formats are accessible through youthology.com Don't forget to do that good. Hey, this week, episode 46, on the, uh, the Youthology Live podcast, we are following up our discussion on the, the, the history of youth ministry. If you remember, the last couple of episodes, we have done some uh, historical work on the beginnings of youth ministry, and I said that we were going to do a futurist... Or a more prophetic look at youth ministry uh, coming up here and this is and that is this week so you've joined us on a, on a great night this is gonna be fantastic whatever whatever time you're listening to it uh, we put these out every Sunday night so you can you can count on that um, a little announcement we are jumping out away for the summer because of a lack of uh, time uh, a lack of uh, cell service and a lack of um, Wi-Fi at camps, and I'll be gone to camp uh, for about two months straight here. So anyway, um, more to come on that in the fall, right? Okay, hey, the future of youth ministry. Let me, let me cover just briefly in about two minutes, okay, the, the, the beginnings or the history of youth ministry before we get into the, the futuristic part of maybe a prophetic look at what I think youth ministry is going to be like. And if you remember in our review, we talked about the Sunday school influence uh, from basically the late 1700s into the early 1800s. And youth ministry began out of the, the Sunday school movement, okay? Reaching out to students on the streets and bringing them into the into the, the church and finding a graded place for them at different age levels, okay? So that's basically where it started Um uh, about a, a 150 to 180 years ago, somewhere around there. Then you would move into the early parachurch movement. Now, the early parachurch movement has its roots about 1820, okay, 1820 through the 1950s. There's a long stretch there, and another movement comes in, but I want to at least let you realize there's an early parachurch movement and then a later parachurch movement. That many of you are more familiar with. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then coming off that early parachurch movement was what was called the student volunteer movement, which is a huge push in our universities and colleges across America. And that had that that had revival all over. It was, to be honest, really the beginnings of youth ministry. Uh, much of the beginnings of youth ministry had everything to do with awakenings and revivals on the university campus and the college campuses. And what happened was many of the, uh, the, the preachers who came out of the second great awakening um, impacted uh, young adult and teen ministry in a major way as they were going on to the college campus and getting called to uh, a lifetime of missions worldwide, so it's really it's it's an interesting thing that in the roots, okay, in the early roots of youth ministry, is awakenings, and uh, I'll get to that in a little bit too. Uh, you've heard that you've heard that from this podcast before. So then we would move from the student volunteer movement, which was in that 1860s to 1920s into there, um, to the Billy Graham Crusades, and you know m- many of you. Uh, understand the history of these stadium crusades and the, and the Billy Graham crusades in the larger cities in America and then globally and worldwide too, right? Well, those began with Billy's conversion at about 17, 18 years of age in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1934, somewhere around there. And then in the next few years, it began to pick up in the next few decades, all the way into the 1970s and 80s. And to be honest, I took my my kids to Billy Graham crusades too, right? But there were some other movements uh, and that wasn't necessarily in the later stages of Billy Graham's crusades. Um, That was not necessarily youth-based, but early on it was. And and so out of the Billy Graham crusades of the 30s, 1930s, 80s, um, then we see in the 1960s, the late 60s, 67, 68, 69, the Jesus movement in in Central California, wow! Time magazine called it the greatest religious movement, uh, significant movement in American history. I mean, it shaped uh, from the Silicon Va- Valley all the way to Broadway. Uh, the, the, there's no denying the impact of the Jesus movement. It only took a, it only took about eight to eleven years, maybe twelve years at the most. Um, but that impacted young people. And ministers, many, I, I was born in 1963, okay, in Central California, so I am a product of the Jesus Movement, and many youth pastors that, that I grew up with in the, in the 80s and the 90s and the 00s, uh, many of us were uh, born again about that time um, as young kids growing up in the church, so that, that impact was, uh, had a huge Im- influence on our early call. And then you would get into, after the Jesus movement, the interdenominational movement and the megachurch movement. Okay, There's a huge Baptist thrust all the way through the South that really impacted uh, youth ministry. And, and, of course, the parachurches, again, all began to, to grow in, in that time. See You at the poll, one of the, the largest uh, prayer meeting in the history of the world at one time. Uh, it's a student-led prayer meeting. 7 plus million worldwide uh, and 4 million just in America, over 4 million, 4.3 million back in the fall last year. So the, the, that uh, megachurch movement that began and organized program-based youth ministry, all of that. Okay, So there's a look at just a brief history, okay, and a, a generalization of the dates and all of that. You can get more on those uh, podcasts that we've done in the past, though. Now, what I want to do is looking at that history. Where are we going in youth ministry? Where are we going? What is youth ministry going to look like in 10 years? What is youth ministry going to look like in 25 years? So I want to give you a futurist, prophetic look at youth ministry for the next 25 years. Now, those of you that know me know I don't normally do that. I love to use the phrase, if the Lord tarries, because I think, I do believe we're in an imminent return of Christ and in the kingdom um, of heaven. Uh, but we have to plan too, because we've been saying that for years too, right? So let me just say this if the Lord tarries, what is gonna happen in the next 25 years to youth ministry? I mean, we really, it, it's very difficult to say, right? I'm in this long term, so if you're watching this now, you know that this, this is my 35, 35th year in youth ministry, and I've seen these changes. But when I put them all together, and I talk to the to the young guns in youth ministry too, which I consider myself to be one a little bit, so let me in the club. When I'm talking to these uh, youth ministries in the small, medium, and large church setting, in the urban, in the suburban, in the rural setting. I, I, I see the church, from my vantage point, I see the church in a lot of different settings. And it's like a university of education for me. It really it really is. So compiling our history, looking at where w- what youth ministry looks like today uh, in the information age, right, and all of this, um, in, in what I like to call the industry, youth ministry age, the millennial slash industry age, because it really has become an industry. Um, what, is, what is the next 25? I'm going to give you four characteristics that I'm going to call ethics. Four ethics for youth ministry. Okay? So uh, here they are. Now, I'm going to give you the, all four of them. That I'm going to just take a minute or two on each one. and I'm going to blog on it because we don't have time to do that. Uh, but ethic number one is a contextual youth ethic contextual youth ethic. The second uh, futurist uh, movement is the neutral site ethic, a neutral site ethic. The third uh, movement that I see in youth ministry uh, in the next 25 years is a diversity ethic, okay? This growing diversity ethic. And then number four is a theology ethic. I use the term ethic because uh, sometimes we use the term movement and you'll hear that, interspersed with these, but I'm kind of, I've been moving myself away from just the term movement and ethic, because I think a movement begins with an ethic. A why, right? A why? So anyway, so let's deal with the first one, the contextual ethic of youth ministry. I truly believe that we have to stop raising teenagers who go to church and challenge them to be the church in the context of the youth world because that's not happening. Our students have got to take uh, youth ministry beyond the gathering. You know, the one thing that the the church today, the millennial church today, the Gen Z church today, is really program-based. It's program-based and it's gathering-based. But one of the things that we have to do in this contextual ethic in the future is to raise disciples and not just attenders, and not just be attractional, we, we have to raise disciples, l- l- listen, I like, this, I like to say it this way, sometimes what happens is we have an emphasis on, on uh, gathering and not going. And that's a lot of the culture building that goes on in the millennial Gen Z youth ministry today, the leadership heavy, it's so leadership driven. There's such an emphasis on gathering and attraction right? If we're going to see youth ministry impact the next 25 years, we've got to get past just leadership and culture building and get into discipleship making, okay? So that would be what I mean by the context. Number two, the neutral site ethic. Youth ministry must become more missional in the teen world, more missional in the teen world. And this, why? Here it is. 71% of Gen Z said they would go to church if they were asked. Now, I'll get to the statistics. You'll see these in a minute. Uh, We are not reaching Gen Z. Whatever we've been doing the last decade or two is not reaching Gen Z, or the millennials. But the latest survey that just came out in the Impact 360 study, said that 71% of Gen Z would go to church if they were asked. So, this neutral site, we have to get youth ministry in a neutral site setting. Uh, Similar to the context, but I think you'll see this. We've got to get youth ministry in schools, in communities, in homes, in the workplace, and on their teams. We've got to get students thinking, okay, thinking neutral sight. We don't come to church to, to serve God. We come to church serving God. You see the difference? We don't come to church to pray. We come to church praying. So, taking our youth ministries out into community settings and being in neutral site settings for worship and meeting with students, instead of our outreach events for youth ministry are at the church. (laughs) Okay, that's gotta change. So anyway, that's the neutral site ethic. The third ethic for the next 25 years of youth ministry, I believe, is a diversity ethic. Um, Why, here's the why. 50% of the Gen Z generation right now, Gen Z's, which is the teenagers today, 50% of them are non-white in America. 50%. First time in American history that a generation has been uh, 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 less than, right, or 50% uh, non-white. This growing diversity. You, You hear us talk about it here often. And whatever we celebrate, we're going to get. You know that. And one of the driving forces of youth ministry has to be to allow our students to write a new narrative about racism. okay? And hear me again, please hear me. I did not say we don't have racism in America. I didn't say that. I did not say that. What I'm saying is we have to allow our students to write a new narrative of racism the next 25 years. Because if we keep reminding them of the past and we keep taking them back to the hurt, all that's going to happen is they're going to adopt the story of their uncles and their aunts, and they're going to adopt the story of the people who were most hurt by it, right? So a new diversity ethic in allowing teenagers today to write their own racism story in America. We've got to let that. It's coming. You see it. You see it all over my social media. I see it everywhere I go. I'm in a different city, in a different setting every week, and I see it. So we've got to let that grow. And here's what, here's what I mean by it specifically. We've got to allow new language. We've got to understand the terms. And we've got to get into action and not just talk about healing and reparations. We must get a a, a greater diversity ethic and a and a. A racial ethic, a race ethic, understanding generational, okay? Not just generational, but generational healing. Man, that's a powerful thought. Uh, again, I'll be writing on it this week. Finally, the last ethic. We're at 15 minutes, and I got to get this thing moving uh, so you can finish this, this podcast up. What I see, uh, finally, the last ethic or movement in youth ministry the next 25 years is a theology ethic. Why? It's pretty simple. Gen Z has a 4%, 4% biblical worldview. Man, that's not good. And I believe part of that is the condition of youth ministry in America the last 10 years, you know, uh, 20 years. Uh, let, let's just say the last 5 to 10 years in the OOs here and then the teens. Something has happened where we have almost apologized for the Bible. And so we've raised the largest generation of atheists in American history. You know that's true, Impact 360 study. I'll, I'll post all of this and you, you can see it. You can read it for yourself. But we have raised as a church the largest generation of atheists in, the, in Gen Z and with only a 4% biblical worldview. So that's got to change. How does that change? Listen, we must get students back to some basic scriptural foundational understandings. When a student comes to our youth ministry, they should understand the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. They should understand the New Testament and Jesus' new commandments, the Old Old Testament commandments. The the new commandments would be the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right? What about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the Pauline letters? understand Paul, our students should know who Paul is, so when our students are finished in our youth ministry. Do they understand eschatology, the, uh, the end times? Because this is such a supernatural generation anyway. Take them into revelation. Oh my goodness, okay. So, four four mindset changes for the next 25 years in youth ministry, if the Lord tarries. A contextual ethic, right? The contextual ethic, the neutral site ethic, diversity ethic and the theology ethic. I would love for you to check this out. Maybe share it with a friend. It'll be posted this week. Don't miss it, okay? Don't miss it. You can find us at youthology.com and you can jump onto YouTube from there. You can get onto our iTunes podcast there. You can read the manuscript this week uh, right there also. And, And please, will you join us? Will you please join us every week on this podcast? Again, we're going to take the summer off, and I'll be back in September, and we're going to look at uh, some of the stories from the summer, and some of the trends that I see in youth ministry, talking with youth leaders across our country, okay? So, hey, have a great week. God bless you, and thank you for joining us at Youthology Live.